because my favorite song really sounds better with harmony and all. So, You know, Jesus gave his all for us, and we need to all be willing to give our all to him. And I'm looking forward to the day when we can all be with him.
Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke twenty-two, fourteen through twenty. When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, with with fervent desire, I have desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat for it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink for the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And and he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which, I, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took a cup after supper, saying, This is the cup, is the new commandment, covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Thank you. Good morning. How's everyone? I like the weather. It's still not cold. Give me a second here. and I don't know where I placed my clicker. Here it is. That's the thing when you have things, a lot of things in your pocket. I hope all everyone's week uh, was well. Today we're going to celebrate a, and commemorate a very special time when Jesus was with his disciples. He gave us the example. Uh, the Bible tells us in the book of John, at the beginning of this story, John chapter 13. And if you want to join with me, it's John chapter 13. But before I even begin and forget, let's ask for God's guidance. Father in heaven, we are here today to remember the special occasion that you implemented for our well-being. And as we go into your word, as we take a, a closer look as to uh, this supper, we pray that our hearts may be open to your Holy Spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I... I often like thinking, well, I think everyone thinks, right? Um, about when I read the Bible, I always ask, you know, several things. For example, when I'm reading Paul or even the Gospels, I say, what, 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 did this, what does this mean? Like, what was going on at the time of, of, 
of this thing taking place. And, and so we see John chapter 13. The Bible reads in verse 1, and I'm reading New King James Version. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going to God. What was in the mind of Jesus at the time of supper? Not sure if you've all asked that question before, but I asked myself that question. What, what was going on? He had been walking among the world for three and a half years. He, he knew that his disciples uh, were not really ready. And, and when we read chapter 17 of John, he is desperately pre- pleading for the Lord that these people that he's chosen may actually revol- revolutionize the world. He's worried because he's put his faith on these 12 apostles. He knows his time is coming soon. He knows that this is going to be the last meal he's going to have with them on earth. What was on his mind? Luke, the book of Luke chapter 22 verse 24 tells us what was going on at the same time. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be what? Consider the greatest. You see, because they had an idea of, of the Messiah that he would rule among, among the Jewish people and in the Romans. But, but this was not the case. And this worried Jesus because he was about to leave. And there's this dispute going on, the Bible tells us. Who is, among, who is greatest among us? And so what happens? The desire of ages tells us something. How was Christ going to bring these poor souls where Satan would not gain over them a decided victory? How could he show that a a mere profession of discipleship did not make them disciples or ensure them a place in his kingdom? How could he show that it is loving service, true humility, which constitutes real greatness? How was he to kindle love in their hearts and enable them to comprehend that he longed to tell them? This was going on in his mind. And so he, he, he tried to, to, to see how, what he can do to break the barriers of sin that they were carrying in their hearts. So what does he do? What does Jesus do to, to, to help his disciples? And what does he do to help us in our Christian walk? What does he do? The whole life of Christ had been a life of unselfish, what? Service. Service. Matthew twenty twenty eight. not to be ministered unto, but to what? To minister had been the lesson of his very act. But not yet had the disciples learned the lesson. Have we learned the lesson? At this last Passover supper, Jesus repeated his teaching. What teaching? The servitude, service, by an illustration that impressed it for how long? Forever on their minds and in their hearts. Because there was a dispute going on. 
They wanted to be the best and the greatest. They wanted to be number one. But God kept constantly telling them that it's not about your position. It's about how you live towards others. About service. So what does Jesus do? John chapter 13, verse 4 through 11 Bible says, rose, he rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin. Just imagine this, that the scenery that the Bible depicts in John chapter 13, uh, he, pour, he pours water into a basin and begins to do what? To, to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Verse 6, then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter, as always, we'll, we'll find out what he does. And Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not what? Understand now. But you will know after this. Verse 8, Peter said to him, you shall never do what? Never after Jesus has told him, don't, you don't understand yet, he was being stubborn and said, you're not going to wash my feet. Uh, keep, uh, the verse keeps going. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash your feet, what does the verse say? You have no part with me. Verse 9, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and what? My, my whole entire body, my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him before he said, you are what? Not all clean. So, so what does Jesus do? You see, uh, in the context of, 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 of uh, the Middle East, uh, the Jewish people in the first century, it was not common for, for we'll see here, it was not, uh, why was this so important? And we'll see now. I'll probably skip this quote here. Well, actually, no, I can't skip this. When Jesus girded himself with a towel to wash the dust from their feet, why was it so important that he, he washed his, their feet? Why was it so important to teach them about this communion that they were partaking? The Desire of Ages, page 646, tells us that when Jesus girded himself with a towel to wash the dust from their feet, he desired that by that very act to wash the alienation, the jealousy, and pride from their hearts. And remember, as we wash each other's feet this morning, that what God is also trying to do in our hearts is to, to, to wash away the alienation, the jealousy and pride from our hearts. But the, 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 the desire of ages keeps going and says, until being brought in a state of humility and love, they were not prepared to partake. And that's very important. Do you want to partake of this meal that God has promised that one day together we will all eat together? Communion is necessary for this. 
or to share in the memorial service which Christ was about to institute. In order to eat this meal that he was going to, to, to give them, they needed to recognize that in their hearts there was jealousy, there was pride, and God wanted to clean that. And it says their hearts must be cleansed. Pride and self-seeking create dissension and hatred. But all this Jesus washed away in their washing of feet. Looking upon them, Jesus could say, Ye are clean. This, this was the reason why it was so important. Because Jesus was trying to take away that pride, that self-seeking, that, that egocentric character that they had. And as we go to, our, uh, to the special rooms dedicated to this. As you go with your families and your friends or your children and, and so forth, remember that as you wash your feet, Jesus is wanting to take away that egocentric, that selfish, na- selfish nature from our hearts. It wants to give you a heart of servitude. A heart that is worthy to partake of his meal. So what, you know, what, what does he do? You know, in, in, in what we, today and now in, in our, our day and age, we, we have uh, tables that are basically uh, straight forward. But in those days, there was no such thing. Usually the table was a, U, a U-shape or, or a, um, a, an L-shape. Okay, and each seating had its its purpose. We you cannot just sit anywhere. You 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 had to sit where you belong. And so we see here, and uh, based on what the Bible tells us, uh, we know that John sat at at, at the far uh, right hand uh, at, at the far right. Then we have Jesus who sat in between uh, John and Judas, and then Peter sat at the other end, at the other far end. Uh, and we'll see why this is important. Remember, Jesus is trying to get from their heart that, that pride that they're, they're, they have, that the self-seeking and, and everything that has to do with sin. He is trying to teach them a valuable lesson because there's something about washing feet. You see, in those days, when, when, when people wash feet, it wasn't the, the host. It wasn't the person who would prepare the meal that, to wash their hand. You see, to them, wa- someone who would wash, feet was lower than a slave and this is why when we read the the gospel in chapter 13 we we, jesus peter says don't wash my feet because in other words to them jesus was saying i am lower than a slave and jesus could not buy that but jesus does it the host would sit in, in in this location the host at this time was Jesus. And we'll see here that the servant would sit at this location right here, Peter. At that time, Peter was the servant. Why was this location the, 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 the servant? Because at this location, the door usually was around here. At this location, if they needed drinks or they needed more food, this person here was the closest to uh, the kitchen always. And so he would be the one always carrying the things. And so that place was only for that person who would serve the meal. The center there was Jesus. And it's interesting because we'll, we'll get to it. John chapter 13, verse 12 and 17. Uh, let's keep reading what the Bible says. So when he washed their feet, 
uh, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to the, he said to them, "Do you know that I have done? Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's one uh, each other's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done." To you, most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you. If you what? Do them. Jesus gives them an application to the parable. This washing of feet is not about what a master does. It's about servitude. It's about serving your brother and your sister. It's about serving your husband and your wife. It's about serving your children. It's about showing them that that person who is head can also step down and wash feet. The person that was most eminent would sit at this direction, in this seating, the person who was basically the one that knew the other, the host, uh, the most, would sit at this uh, table. The one that was more popular, per se, among the other people, would sit at this table here. And it's very interesting because in in those days, they they sat usually they sat uh, to the left, so they had to lean left. All right, so everyone was sitting, and, and they, they would sit, you know, uh, with their feet facing, uh, facing uh, the wall, not the table. So they would basically be kneeling down, and they would lean to the left, all right? And this is why we, read the, we keep reading the Bible. When Peter tells him, uh, John to ask him a question, the Bible says, and, and, and John leaned towards the chest of Jesus. It made sense. So they would see, uh, sit uh, uh, leaning to the left with their shoulders uh, on the table, and that way they, they kind of ate uh, and so forth. And so you see here, they're, they're all sitting there. Imagine that. They're all sitting there. The person that's most eminent here, Jesus is the host, the servant, and all the other people here, they, they basically were, these, these chairs here were actually very important. The rest, uh, not so much. And so the place of honor, the place who had the most honor would sit where? Right next to Jesus, to the left. And who was sitting right uh, next to him to the left? Judas. Even then, in the last hours of Judas's life, Jesus was telling him, I, have, I have still love you. And I'm still trying to teach you what it means to be a follower of me. You see, this is very important for us to know because we may be self-seeking and pride and so forth. We struggle with a lot of issues. But even then, at the last hours, and today Jesus is exclaiming and telling you, it's okay. This is why we're having this meal. So you can finally accept me into your heart. Luke 22, uh, verse 24 uh, to 20, it tells us what they did. They broke bread and, and, they, and they had a meal. And as we divide this morning, let us remember that the point that the supper meant was to recognize that we are not first. Jesus is. 
and to recognize that we have been called to service. Because those who wish to be the first will be what? The last. And those who are the last will be the first. And so as we divide, I believe there's rooms, uh, two rooms. Um, if, if you feel comfortable with doing with friends, that is fine. If you want to do it as a family, that is also fine. It's going to be a little different dynamics here today. Um, make your way to it. As you come from washing your feet towards the back, uh, the bread and, 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 and the grape juice is also on the table to, to my left. And as you come in, please grab bread and, 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 and the juice and sit down and then wait for the next thing to happen. Um, so let's pray to divide so we can go ahead and do what we need to do. And let's keep in mind that we have been called to servitude. We have been called to let God take away that selfish desire, that self-seeking that pride and egocentric character we have. So that way, as Jesus did at the end, he can pronounce to us, ye are clean. Let us pray. Father in heaven, as we go to the next step here to commemorate, to remember, Lord, this precious occasion that was done 2,000 years ago, May we remember that as we wash our feet, as we humble ourselves, that we are here, been called to, to service, to, to serve others, to show others what you have done in our lives. And not just that, but to ask for forgiveness of our sins. Lord, be with us at this time, and let us remember what you have done for us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you will participate in this occasion, uh, please go ahead and make your way to the back, to the rooms, I believe is uh, the fellowship hall there, and uh, the crater row. Um, yeah, so if there's an overflow in the fellowship hall there, there is room in the crater row. So uh, the deacon and deaconess, I think, will be helping as well, so... If you have any questions, uh, ask and feel free to ask deaconess and deacon. So. Okay. Uh, for those children that, um, well, there's a children's story for the, for the kids. So if anyone wants to join, you know, any kid wants to join uh, Sister Susie here. I mean, sorry, Bobby. Um, we can, you can go ahead and make your way to the front.
Thanks, Sylvia. I'll use the mic so everyone can hear us. Okay, did you have a nice week? Okay, I found a fun story for us about an answer to prayer. Okay, Mr. Jacobson and his family moved to Andrews University. Mr. Jacobson was going to work there for the university. So they packed up everything and they moved to a new house. And is it a lot of work to move? Yes, it is. So they had to unpack all their boxes and get everything figured out. And, and the, their two sons needed to go to a new school. And there was a new job. And you know what that means when you're an adult? It means you need to figure out how you're going to spend your money. And we call that making a budget. So they had to go through and figure out how much money they were going to spend on each thing and know what to do. So the first time Mr. Jacobson got paid. He got his paycheck, and they sat down, and they needed to make their list of things. How are they going to spend their money? Okay, ladies, why don't you put it under your seat right now? So we got out a notebook, and let's, we're going to pretend he didn't tell us how much in the story. So we're going to pretend that he made $500. So we're going to pretend that's how much he got. The, what do you think the very first thing was he wrote on his paper? He wrote, Mr. and Mrs. Jacobson had committed that they would always pay tithes and give money for offerings first before they did anything else. Now, tithe is how much? Ten. What's one tenth of five hundred? You know the easy way to do it? You can just take one zero away, and you see how much it is. So they were going to pay $50 for tithe, and we're going to, I don't know exactly how much, but we're going to say they gave $50 for offering too. So we're going to pretend it was $100. Now what did they need? I heard somebody said it. They needed to make sure they had money to buy their groceries. And so Mr. Jacobson went to the, he went to the bank, and he got out some money that he they could use for their food. How much do you think there is here? Should we count it? 20, 40, 60, 80, 100. So they had $100 that we're going to use this for our food money this month. Then, where are those boys going to school? They, had, they went to school, to church school. So they had a tuition bill they needed to pay. So he wrote tuition down on his and they had to pay the tuition bill and we're going to say he had $100 he needed to do for tuition and do you think the money's starting to get used up bit by bit and do you know what how do now parents usually pay their bills online maybe sometimes do your parents still use checks sometimes you still use money for checks well that's what they had and so he only had a couple because when you move and you start a new bank they only give you just a few to get started so he had his check-in he wrote out for the school and he wrote one hundred dollars and mr jacobson signed it and he wrote the money for their and so he's working on all of his things and then they need, had other bills. What kind of other bills can you think of? An electric bill. I was thinking of the same thing. So he needed to pay an electric bill. And we're going to say he needed $50 for that. So he writes another check to the electric company. 
All right. Now, can you add quickly how much money's left? If we had 100, 200, 300, 350, we've got $150 left, right? That was the exact amount of money that Mr. Jacobson needed to pay for his um, car payment bill. So they had a little coupon to pay for the car, and he needed to pay $150. But there was a problem. Mr. Jacobson didn't have that many checks left. So they had the right amount of money. He was very thankful for that. He wasn't sure if there was, but there wasn't enough checks. So he had went to the bank and got the cash, and he put all of the cash for $150, the coupon to pay it, and he put it in an envelope, and he said, tomorrow when I go to the post office, I'll stop and get a money order. It's kind of like a check that you can pay for to, so that it's safe to mail it. And he said, I'll get that then. And all the other checks he put into the envelopes. So the one for the electric company, and he wrote the electric company's address on it. He put a stamp on it. Do you think it'd be kind of fun to pay bills? It's kind of fun to fill out checks and envelopes, isn't it? So he filled all those out, and they were ready to go to the post office. And he said, okay, tomorrow I'll get that money order and get everything ready to go to the car company where they had to make their payment. And so he said, I'll put everything together. He put a rubber band in it, put it in his briefcase, and went to bed. So the next morning, Mr. Jacobson heads to the post office, and he forgot something. He forgot all the things. Does that envelope look ready to go? But he saw the one on top. And he sl slipped it into the mailbox at the post office, went about his day and forgot all about what he had done. Later that night, he went, oh, no. And he called the post office. They hadn't closed yet, but it was late. And he said, I, I put an envelope in there that didn't have an address, and it didn't have a stamp, and it's got cash in it. It doesn't even have a check. And can you check? Did the mail get out of the mailbox? And the postman said, yes, it did. And he said, well, did the mail leave town? And the postman said, oh, it did. And he said, well, is there any way that we can trace the mail, that we could figure out where it went so we could find my envelope? And the mailman said, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. So Mr. Jacobson and his wife prayed. They said, dear Lord, what we did wasn't good. Was it wise of him to put it in the mailbox? No, that was kind of careless, wasn't it? And he said, Lord, we need your help. Would you help us make sure an honest person finds that envelope and somehow get it back to us? So they waited and they waited no phone calls, nothing came in the mail. So finally, Mr. Jacobson called the car company and he said, did anybody pay our bill with cash? And they looked it up. No, there's been no payment this month. <sighs> okay. Mr. Jacobson waited two more days and he called again. And the lady looked it up on the computer and she went, oh, yes, 
sir, yesterday. It was paid in full. You don't owe anything more this month. And Mr. Jacobson was so surprised. He didn't even know what to say. He just barely went, thank you, and hung up. And he went to Mrs. Jacobson. And what do you think they did? They prayed. Do you think they prayed a prayer of praise? Yes. Because it had to have been a miracle. An honest person, somehow, that envelope with no address, with cash in it, with no check, and all, all that was in that envelope was the coupon bill to say that you paid it. But it didn't even have Mr. Jacobson's name on it. It just said the account number. Nobody knew what that was. Somebody found that envelope and saw the name of the car company and they put the address of the car company on the envelope. They put a stamp on the envelope. They put it and all of the money in the envelope and sent it. And it got where it needed to go. And the Jacobson family <laughs> had their bill paid just like it needed to be. Oop, that's the wrong side of the paper. Mr. Jacobson said it was clearly a praise time in our house. God had been faithful. That envelope had fallen into the hands of an honest person. He said, God is always faithful. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9 says, God, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. 1 Corinthians 1 9. And Mr. Jacobson went on to be the president of Adventist World Radio. Have you ever heard of them? They do a lot of um, missionary work using radio stations. Later he went on to do that special job. Wasn't that fun? Let's have a special prayer together, and then you can go back by your seats, okay? Dear Jesus, thank you for another special Sabbath, and thank you that you are always faithful. Please give us special eyeglasses to see you working this week and to be able to see all of the miracles you do when you work in our lives, just like you did in the story about Mr. Jacobson. Thank you for your love and for all these young people. Amen. What the Bible tells us took place after the washing of the foot. One of the elders are going to, I believe, is so after Jesus washed their feet, um, he talked to them about the importance of the bread. And the blood, the blood, the bread standing for his body, and the wine standing, or the grape juice standing for his, um, for his blood. And in First Corinthians eleven, uh, chapter twenty-three and twenty-four, it says, "For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you." Do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus took the bread, the Bible tells us, and he broke it. But not just that, the bread signifies the body of Jesus Christ. So as we eat, 
Let us remember what he did for us on the cross. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And as we partake of the bread that represents his body, we just ask that you would help us to be able to reflect and to be drawn closer to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, take the bread. That evening, they didn't just eat bread, they also drank. My brother here has a text that will tell us what the drink represented. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five and 26 says, In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as ye drink, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Amen. And so like that, they took their cups in remembrance of what the blood of Jesus does for the individual. The Bible tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ wipes away all sins. So as we drink, let us remember that. Let's drink. At the end of the meal, the Bible tells us that they got up and left to the next destination. And as we go on with our day today and the week, let us remember this day. Let us remember what God has done for us, what he keeps doing for us, and that he has promised to come again. Jesus didn't eat with them at that time, he didn't partake of the meal because he's waiting for that big meal with all of us together. So let us press forward so that way when Jesus comes, we can eat with all the saints, with all the brothers and sisters. Let us pray. Father in heaven, This time we want to come to you humbly asking, Lord, that you may forgive us of our sins, that you make us more like you in character, that you allow us to experience, or to allow us to experience that servitude character that you have often showed us in the gospel. We are confident that you have washed our sins away, that you have given us a new life. And so, Lord, as we go on today, we will go on having the faith that you have accepted our cry. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Together we will sing... Hymn 99. Everyone's not right, so they're here. 